I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. Hi, everybody, and welcome to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. My name is Andy Baskin. His name is Daryl Ryder. Good morning, Daryl, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is for you. Hi, Daryl. We are timeless here at It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, right? It's always very exciting. We just never know what time it is, and we're just because it's always football time, and it's always game day. If you want to be a part of this, uh, all you do is hit us up at Game Day CLE. And if you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Daryl, mini camp this week. Plenty of stories, plenty of headlines. Deshaun Watson, though, uh, always seems to take center stage. So we'll get into mini camp here in a second. So. It, there, there was this, another story that came out this week that kind of puts the NFL's office in New York, especially when it comes to the discipline and what's going to happen down the road here for Deshaun Watson, in a precarious situation because they've got a lot of different ways they've got to look at this thing, and um, I don't know that any of them are good as far as Deshaun playing this year, um, but th- there's a lot of things behind the scenes going on right now until we find out what the suspension will be. Yeah, you know, it, it seems uh, that the league office is between a rock and a hard place. If they don't discipline Deshaun or they don't severely discipline Deshaun, it, it, there's going to be outrage there. Um, if they drop the hammer on him, well, then you're going to have the Players Association be very, very unhappy uh, with the league, considering especially some of the stuff that owners seem to get away with right and uh, the the double standard and what people have to remember about the NFLPA it is it is a union and it is their job to fight on behalf of the players Uh, and and that's what the NFLPA does 
whatever discipline gets handed down, Watson will appeal, and they'll go through a process. What is unclear is, A, does Deshaun Watson get suspended? B, if he gets suspended, do they announce it before Watson has the opportunity to appeal, or do they wait until the appeals process has been completed and the decision is final? So uh, some unknowns here, obviously. It feels like that the Brown season completely hangs in the balance. Sorry, Jadavian Clowney. I know you came back for Deshaun, but don't know if Deshaun's even going to be allowed to play or for how long he's going to be able to play, but um, th- this just is not a very simple situation for the NFL uh, office. It's certainly uh, complex because uh, we're still waiting for two more lawsuits to officially be filed. We've heard that it's going to be a 25th and a 26th, but the paperwork has not been filed in court. We have not seen the details of the latest allegations that are being made against Deshaun Watson. And again, that's another problem for the NFL is this constant drip, 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 drip of news concerning Deshaun Watson. And so if they render uh, uh, discipline, right, what do you do if more stuff comes out? So yeah, not a good spot for the league office to be in right now as they try and figure out what, if anything, they're going to do with this Deshaun Watson situation. I I think it was about two weeks ago, I think it was actually before the HBO special, special, that I just kind of said, okay, I'm settling in now to the fact that Jacoby Brissett's the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I don't care about how many reps somebody took at OTA. I don't care how many they took at minicamp. I just, the way the story is playing out right now, I, I just think as a Browns fan, and really that's where I think most of us want to be, right? <laughs> I mean, you want to be a Browns fan first. And yeah, I think you have to realize that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starting quarterback. In fact, I wrote a story this week about that, just saying I'm settling into the fact that Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback of the Browns, and when they tell me Deshaun Watson is going to be able to play, then I'll believe it, and then I'll buy it. There's just too much stuff that's here that the league can't suspend him. I think I've kind of changed my tune on this, too, where I thought maybe he'll get 10 games, and now it just feels like the whole season. And, you know, there, there was another story in Pro Football Talk talking about, and you brought it up in a second, about how the league office is divided on what to do with this. And I do think it's interesting that the NFLPA argument coming back is going to be to attack owners who have done similar with some criminal uh, undertones to it that were dismissed that reflect a little bit or maybe a little bit of what we're seeing uh, in the court of public opinion with Deshaun Watson. Again, I, I, I say this and I'll say it over and over and over again. The Watson case has three prongs to it right now. The criminal, which doesn't exist right now because there was no indictment. The civil, which is very much front and center, and as you said, uh, 25 and 26 are right on the horizon as far as plaintiffs going into this case. And then there's the third part of it. It's the NFL, which doesn't care about what's really going on with the criminal or going on with the civil. They're worried about what the NFL looks like. And if they're going to start dragging out uh, what owners have done in the past, this thing is going to get super ugly. And I think and all parties need to sit down and figure out how they're going to make it look not so ugly because you're not going to tell me that they're not going to drag Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft and Daniel Snyder under the bus and over the bus and over the bus and under the bus and over the wheels and over. that. It's going to get super ugly. And it, I, it's the last thing I think the league wants right now. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, the owners are the ones that write the checks, and the commissioner works for the owners. But um, Daniel Snyder is the poster boy of, of somebody who should be thrown out of the league, not just disciplined. He should be thrown out. Just look at the stuff that he's been accused of. And I think that that's uh, likely to be one of the key uh, arguments made by the NFLPA is that you're disciplining someone for being accused of something. Uh, not not a criminal situation, but because somebody's been accused, uh, you're disciplining them. So, well, Robert Kraft was accused and ultimately uh, escaped any uh, legal ramifications or prosecution, right? So why wasn't he uh, disciplined? Uh, Jerry Jones has been accused of a lot of things, but again, nothing criminal. And uh, why hasn't anything been done against him? Then you look at Daniel Snyder, who potentially could be accused of, or I should say, face some criminal situations here. I mean, my goodness, the Congress wants him to testify at this point, right? Um, and he the, said no. Yeah, he said he yeah. wasn't going earlier. This right, month, but you, you've had a sexual harassment scandal involving the now uh, Washington Commanders formerly doing business as the Washington football team, formerly doing business as the Washington Redskins, right? Uh, and then uh, the sin of all sins when you talk about the NFL, and that is potentially messing with the books, which is an absolute no-no. Right. So the, the fact that Daniel Snyder hasn't been thrown out of the league, look, I think he's the poster boy of the argument because for the last 20 years, Daniel Snyder has been accused of some sort of impropriety. Now, He's never faced any uh, type of a criminal prosecution, but nothing's happened to him. He's not been disciplined. So I think the NFLPA has a pretty solid argument. Then the league comes back and says, yeah, but we make the rules because we write the checks. But um, I think it is a, a fair argument for the NFLPA to make is that, hey, man, you can't come after a guy over accusations when uh, the owners – uh, escape any type of discipline over accusations. Really, the, the biggest discipline to be handed down to an NFL owner was the, the Richardson family in Carolina being kicked out of the league because of hostile uh, workplace environments surrounding uh, uh, racial discrimination and uh, environment there. So um, this this is, you're right, it, it could get ugly. It, it really could. And again, the NFLPA's job is to defend Deshaun Watson's right to work. Um, and that I, I think that people sometimes forget that aspect of the league. You know, it's a sport. It's entertainment for fans. But for players, this is their job. Um, and uh, they have a union that, you know, fights on uh, behalf of uh, those players, regardless of what a player is accused of. Um, you know, we're, we're setting aside the, the moral arguments and, and whatnot when it comes to these accusations levied against Deshaun Watson and just getting down to the letter of the law of the collective bargaining agreement. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the league comes out as far as discipline goes and then how successful on appeal Watson and the NFLPA ultimately will able to be. be. But it's um, it, it's this is. Um, Again, as I said earlier, Andy, I just I feel like this is going to make or break the Brown season. It's nothing against Jacoby Brissett. It's part of the reason they signed him because of his experience, the fact that he started 37 games in the NFL. 
he's he's played on some bad teams, but you have seen year to year, you've seen improvement when he's had lengthy opportunities to play. So uh, obviously the Browns feel like Brissett can kind of keep the boat afloat, but I don't know for a whole season. Um, and, you know, that's... And I know the NFL certainly isn't concerned about that either because the Browns went ahead and, and you know, gave him a five-year contract and 230 fully guaranteed, and the league isn't really concerned about the competitive ability of the Cleveland Browns. But that, I just, I kind of feel like the, the entire season hangs in the balance with whatever happens with Deshaun Watson. And that is considering what is out there, uh, as far as these allegations go, it's not a good feeling uh, to have if you're a Browns fan. So it, it, here's the one curveball, I think, that plays out in the whole suspension game, and, and that game is probably the wrong word to use, the whole suspension scenario, um, is it's former federal judge Sue Robinson. And this is the one time when things are a little bit different. Yeah, and, it, you know, the, the CBA is very specific in, in how all this is laid out, it, not only just with team uh, discipline, but also the discipline with, uh, you know, with the, the league office. Uh, and it is, um, you know, it, it, it is uh, written in there. So this is not something that they uh, just kind of make up as they go along. These procedures are already set and agreed to. Uh, by uh, the NFLPA, and again, as I said earlier, it's the NFLPA's job to advocate on behalf of their uh, players. Um, Article 46 in the nearly 500-page collective bargaining agreement deals specifically with commissioner discipline, and this is where this kind of falls falls under because of the, uh, the personal conduct policy. And the commissioner discipline page or section of this is four pages long. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's a lot in there. And it goes, you know, step by step uh, uh, of how uh, things get investigated, uh, the hearing officers, representation, how the hearings can be conducted, um, you know, who pays for things, the appeals, scheduling, discoveries. I mean, it is all very uh, specific. Um, and also, too, so the like the Browns can't just slide in here and say, well, we're going to suspend him for eight games. And that's going to take care of everything. It, like, there's no double jeopardy here either. Like, the commissioner and the team cannot discipline a player for the same thing. And the commissioner's disciplinary action supersedes anything by the club. So the Browns can't even fall on the sword here on behalf well, of Deshaun it, Watson, too. I, the, the Browns aren't going to suspend him. No, 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 no. Right. I understand. I'm, oh, just, okay. I'm, just, I'm just explaining this to people, right? Sure. Okay, that's what I'm listening. So people, okay. so, so, so people understand how this works. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Browns cannot fall on the sword to try and protect themselves, so to speak, in their in their season. They can't be like, well, we're going to suspend him for four games. Or we're going to suspend him for eight games and take care of that, right? Uh, no. Um, but, it, yeah, it's very specific and laid out in the CBA of just, you know, how everything – I could read it to you guys, but it would oh, make nice. for a very, very lengthy podcast and also very, very boring because there is a ton. Uh, you can tell the lawyers wrote this. Let's just put it that way. For sure. I, so I think what I'm saying is 
keep your eye out for the Robinson effect on this thing. Right. To see what what happens there. I, I mean, Sue Robinson can come back and say, you know what, you, League, you only said a year. I, I'm listening to all this stuff, and I'm shocked that some things didn't turn one way or another, and maybe I should make it two years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be super interesting to see the way this plays out. All right, I'm a little Deshaun out at this point. So, yeah, so I'm glad for, I'm, I'm glad for the break. I'd like to go a week or two without the headline changing. Let me just all say right, that. Now, there's there's one thing I need to clean up that you, you mentioned here, and I'm going to read okay. this specifically uh, as far as okay. how this works. It's actually the disciplinary. So the disciplinary officer will be responsible for conducting evidentiary hearings pursuant to the procedures in blah, 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 right? Issuing okay. binding findings of fact and determining the discipline that should be imposed, if any, in accordance with the personal conduct policy. Um, uh, then there's all this other, you know, st- stuff like the NFL so will we, have the hang on. The NFL will have okay. the burden of establishing that the player violated the personal conduct policy. The NFL will also publish mitigating factors for discipline, which shall include acceptance of responsibility and cooperation, engagement with clinical resources and voluntary restitution. The disciplinary officer's disciplinary determination will be final and binding subject only to the right of either party to appeal to the commissioner. The appeal shall be in writing within three business days of the disciplinary officer's decision, and any response to the appeal shall be filed in writing within two business days thereafter. The appeal shall be limited to arguments why, based on the evidentiary record below, the amount of discipline, if any, should be modified. The commissioner or... His designee will issue a written decision that will constitute full, final, and complete disposition of the dispute and will be binding upon the players, clubs, and the parties to this agreement. So the disciplinary officer will find, you know, make the determination, hand down the discipline, and then the commissioner gets involved on the appeal, and then that's when the commissioner has the final say. If it's not appealed, then the commissioner's not involved at all. So that's an important detail to clarify for people. Okay, so but the discipline—I just want to make sure I'm getting this straight. The disciplinary officer is Sue Robinson. I just want to make sure. I think so. I, I since she's I, I'm the, reading this. She's the I, I, one, I, I, yeah, she's since yeah, she's the one in, in yes. doing this. I'm pretty sure it's going to be her. The NFL's new procedure for imposing discipline under the personal conduct policy incorporates the disciplinary officer who is jointly appointed and paid for by the NFL and the Players Association. The person retained for that position is Sue L. Robinson. Okay, right. so that's the same thing. It's just it's just semantics on the word that it's just. It's still you're you're watching to see what she says here, right? I, mean, I just really I wanted to read that yeah. straight from the CBA so that we're very clear of how this this works and what the commissioner's role is. He only steps in if it is appealed, which as we know, it will be appealed. Deshaun Watson will appeal any uh, discipline. The NFLPA will help him appeal, and then that's when the commissioner uh, will step in. So. Um, that it's just, it's important to kind of clarify that that's I, what I, I read that straight from the collective bargaining agreement. In fact, that would came from page 277 of like four, uh, of like 450. 
Well done, Daryl. Daryl, when we come back, can we actually talk a little bit of football here? Please, uh, let's talk please, about, pretty let's please. Let's talk about mini camp. Let's talk about all the things going on and how you can get involved uh, when they actually hit training camp because that news was announced earlier this week too. So, all right, let's do it. If you want to get involved in the show at Game Day CLE, this is It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Back with more after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for joining on in. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Feed. It'll come right to you, make life easy for you. Uh, Daryl, minicamp over this past uh, week where we had three days where the Browns were in Berea one day, they went to Canton for the Hall of Fame, and then they wrapped up everything on the last day, the third day, uh, at Cleveland Broad Stadium with a nice little barbecue with the alumni. First, let's go backwards. Were you allowed to go to the barbecue, Daryl? I did not get invited to the barbecue. Not a surprise. Uh, did not get an invite. But I did have a nice turkey sandwich after minicamp, so that, that was nice. Compliments of the Browns, or did you just make it yourself? Oh, no, no, no. The compliments of the Browns. <laughs> oh, good. Well, at least you got that. Were there any famous alumni there, too? I was trying to figure out. Uh, DeQuan Jackson was there. Judge Ambrose was there. Uh, there, was about, there was about a dozen alumni. Uh, they, they had a pretty, uh, pretty nice turnout. Yeah, I always enjoy my time with the alumni. Uh, I posted the uh, the Legends weekend a uh, couple weeks where I've been able to MC, and it's just it's always a blast. And I love seeing those guys that I watched play, and it's just so weird to be in the same room with some of those guys. And you know, just you, as a kid, especially watching some of them play, even like um, I don't know, there's just there's a lot of players. I don't want to mention one in particular, but I just I really enjoy those. And I, I think that if it wasn't for those alumni, I don't think the link between um, Browns fans and the team would be what it is today. I mean, it's super important when you consider that there's that entire gap of the not having a team. And well, not and, only and that, but are super important. Yeah, but pre-gap the team was good. Post-gap the team has sucked. So yeah, that, that's yeah. True too. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, let's be honest every sentence, about it. <laughs> when every so thank goodness for with, guys like Bob Golick and Greg Pruitt and Kevin Mack. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It kind of has, has kept fans afloat for, you know, for a few generations here. But uh, the, the Browns are on the cusp. They're knocking on the door. They, you know, made the playoffs uh, uh, in 2020, won a playoff game. We're right there, just a player or two away in Kansas City from getting back to the AFC Championship game. So and they've got a very good team this year. I, you know, Jadavian Clowney talked about this on uh, Thursday, Andy. Um, you know they've they've got a good team. Uh, Amari Cooper too. He's like, hey man, this was a good team last year. Um, so you know Amari's not coming here thinking that he's you know saving the day, so to speak. He's coming here to play a role and and fill a role and and contribute. But this is a very good football team. 
Um, but as we talked about in our previous segment, it just feels like the entire season is dependent on what happens with Deshaun Watson and if he faces uh, any type of discipline. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a really, really good football team. And also not your, we didn't have our t- the typical like intense mini camps that we're used to, right? I mean, they, they, they got a good two hours right. in on, on Wednesday, or I, I should say Tuesday. Then they go to Canton uh, Wednesday, and they're on the field literally for 30 minutes. Uh, the only reason they broke a sweat, because it was hotter than Satan's living room on the field. It was like 115 degrees. Um, but they were only scheduled to be on the field for about 30 minutes anyway, because they had uh, uh, events scheduled at the Hall of Fame. Um, and then on Thursday, they were on the field for about 90 minutes or so. And then they ate barbecue before um, everybody jumped on a plane and went their separate ways. Nice. Um, let me uh, – I know we weren't going to talk about Deshaun Watson again, but I thought it was interesting that Jadavian Clowney is here part because Deshaun Watson is here. Just to expound on that a little. Yeah, well, I mean, Clowney made it very clear that wherever Deshaun went, he was going to follow. Which is not, I mean, look, they they played together in Houston. Um, Clowney mentioned that how he remembered that he didn't have to play a lot when Deshaun was his quarterback because the offense was always on the field instead of the defense. Um, so that was, you know, weighing heavily uh, on his mind. He did uh, sell Deshaun on the Browns organization and talked about how he Really enjoyed playing here last year, and it was such a good, positive experience for him. But at the same time, if Deshaun didn't choose the Browns, if he chose the Falcons or the Saints or another team, odds are that Clowney was going to follow him. Um, And uh, so I did find those comments rather interesting. Uh, You know, Clowney was asked about potential discipline that Deshaun faces and how that could be a little bit of a wrinkle in his plans. Uh, And, you know, he... Not not thinking about the potential for a full year suspension, but a partially said, "Hey, listen, the defense held it down last year uh, when the offense, uh, you know, wasn't humming on all cylinders. We can do it again." Uh, but yeah, it, it was very very clear uh, that Clowney was going wherever Deshaun ended up, and that is a big re- that is the reason I should say why Jadavian Clowney is back with the Cleveland Browns is because Watson chose the Browns. Um, this just, and this is totally a sidebar topic. I mean, to have Watson come back and, and I mean, not Watson to have Clowney come back. And I mean, if you can look at the football point of it to have Watson here, you know, LeBron came back. There's such a stigma on the city about not being able to bring free agents in because it's Cleveland. And I think that, and I just want to talk about Clowney in particular, being able to come back. Cause I thought he was so honest in his approach to free agency at the end of the season last year. And I loved it because it was somebody who was actually saying, hey, man, I had a great time here. I love playing here. I think the fans were great. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. But I'm in it for the money. And, I, I mean, he was actually honest about it. Do you think, and you cover more than just the Browns, that Cleveland still has the free agent stigma against it? If it's, oh, I don't want to go to Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cavs are never going to sign a, a top-tier free agent, no matter what. Th- their only hope if they're going to uh, have superstars on their team is to draft and develop or trade for them. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Giannis 
just to throw out and just at random, right? Giannis is not going to pick the Cleveland Cavaliers in free agency, right? Um, you, you look at some of the other young stars around the NBA, like the, the Cavs will never be a free agent destination. And that's nothing. I'm not ripping on the Cavs. I'm not dunking on the Cavs. That's just the reality. I mean, look, LeBron struggled to get guys to come to Cleveland his first stint. And and maybe not so much the second stint because they, they kept making the final, so it became easier for guys to sign up to play with the Cavaliers because they knew that they were going to come here and automatically compete for an NBA championship. But, you know, that, that – and then when you look at Major League Baseball, I don't think that that necessarily applies because, as you know, money talks and everything else walks. And, un- unfortunately, uh, the Guardians don't have – uh, you know, the deep pockets. It was great that they kept Jose Ramirez uh, and the fact that he stayed for $100 million, if not more, less than what his true market value is. And you just look what he's already done this season and what he means to the ball club on and off the field. Uh, you just you can't quantify that. You can't put a price on that. But the Guardians can recruit players if they have a blank check. So... No, I. It, it, when it comes to Major League Baseball, no, there isn't a stigma. The Browns, where there was a stigma, is just the organization had been, been a clown show for 20 years. The only reason free agents would come to the Browns, and they, look, they made splashes all the time in the offseason. Like, uh, the offseason was the highlight for years and years for the Browns, right? From uh, free agency to the draft to off-season practices and training camp, like that was the Super Bowl for fans because that's where you could be optimistic. And again, in the end of you write the check, the players will come. Um, but for years, players would only come to the Browns because it was a paycheck and it was a very good paycheck. So to your point about Clowney coming back, he came back for a couple reasons. One, his buddy Deshaun Watson came here who is a three-time pro bowler. The last time he played, he led the NFL in passing yardage, right? So if Baker Mayfield, right. uh, and and again, I'm not dunking on Baker, but if Baker Mayfield was still the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, guess what? Jadavian Clowney's not a Cleveland Brown anymore. So the second ten- tentacle or second reason why Clowney came back is, well, if Watson's here, right, my boy's here, the team's going to be really, really good and going to be competing uh, for or in the postseason. And so I have a chance to win. So that's the other reason to come back. And then the third reason to come back, and like you, I found it very refreshing, is money. And the fact that Clowney's being paid very, very well, he's going to be able to make up to $11 million uh, if he hits his bonuses, which we saw him hit last year. So, um, no, I don't think that there is this stigma still uh, over Cleveland and mistake by the lake and stuff like that. That The only reason that's still out there is because you have national people who are ignorant, who have never lived here, who have never visited here, who have not seen all the improvements that have been made uh, around the city uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, it's easy to fall back on that thing. But when you're talking about the business of professional sports, Andy, it's all about money. And if you've got the money and you're willing to pay the players, the players will come here with the exception being the Cavs because I just think that the the NBA is a a little bit of a a different world. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said in the end. I disagree with what you say about the Cavaliers too. I mean, like even Kevin Love, uh, you know, while Kevin was traded. They gave Kevin Love 125 million reasons to stay here. Come on. 
Okay. Well, he stayed though. I mean, he didn't. <laughs> I know, have to stay. but I'm just you know, saying. If you didn't like, like Cleveland, you could have left. I mean, well, and, and then what and happened? LeBron he ended up pouting for three years when he was here. Like he he didn't come around until last year when he. I don't when, know, but he's not. When he looked at things, now, he's though, like, Darryl, yeah, this team's uh, actually gonna uh, be real good. <laughs> Yeah, but Kevin Kevin's not pouting now, and I think the fact that these guys that are playing – I mean, look, even Tristan Thompson, who couldn't figure things out, ended up coming back after being a restricted free agent. And these guys could have left. They haven't left. I think, especially with the Cavaliers and the way they run the organization – But I'm talking about the superstars. The, I'm, I'm talking about the, the tier so one free who, agents. They're not going to pick the Cavs. Uh, uh, well, if the money's there, I, I just – I don't know that that's necessarily true down the road, especially – when you look at the way the Cavaliers treat these guys and the, I mean, the world that they live in here is like second to none, especially because I've seen other NBA operations and how yeah. they work. Look, the, the Cavs are a first-class like organization. Superstars and, compared. And, and that's why I said I'm, right. not, I'm not criticizing them. I'm not dunking on them. It's just it, I do think in the NBA there is still a smidge of, it, of the Cleveland stigma and the fact that it's not a big market. Um, even despite the fact that LeBron built a billion dollar world brand playing for the Cavaliers and winning a, an NBA championship and going to five NBA finals with them. I just think that the Cavs, their only path to team building is internally, which we've seen them do credit to Kobe Altman and company. That's, you know, uh, in, in the NFL, we we've seen how the Browns have built their team. Yes. The fa- a lot of the foundational pieces of the team have been through the draft. Denzel Ward, uh, Miles Garrett, right? Um, you know, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, Joel Batonio. Uh, but at the same time, they've been able to supplement, right? They they were able to convince Deshaun Watson by giving him two hundred and thirty million in fully guaranteed dollars to pick the Browns. Uh, Jadavian Clowney came back, A, because he enjoyed his time here, he enjoyed playing for the organization, and the organization had a legit opportunity to win because his good friend, Deshaun Watson, picked the Browns. So I just I just feel like the NBA is a little bit of a uh, a steeper hill to climb. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, we, we got plenty more to talk about. We'll get back in a minicamp and how you uh... – Come partake in the Browns training camp. The, the, the announcement came out this week about what's going to be open and what's not going to be open. So we're going to talk about that. If you want to be a part of it, all you got to do is go to Ed Game Day CLE. It's always game day in Cleveland. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Daryl, one of the little things that happened on the last day of minicamp that uh, maybe put a little scare, especially as we were reading along with what was going on, was Denzel Ward leaving the field. Uh, what's the latest on Denzel? What's the injury? And should we be concerned? Well, uh, we know it's a left foot or ankle injury. Uh, He sat on the bench for about five minutes uh, with trainers looking at him. Then he slowly walked into the Browns locker room uh, with uh, trainers. Uh, I would guess he's gotten or will be getting uh, more tests on that. Uh, Good news. There's six weeks until training camp. That's the good news. Um, don't want to go down the doomsday path just yet, but uh, there's no question he's an integral part of this team and this defense. They certainly uh, opened the checkbook for him this offseason, giving him that $100 million extension. Uh, when healthy, he's one of the best players at his position in the game. So right now, as we go into summer vacation, Andy, we're just waiting with bated breath, and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, he's okay. He just maybe rolled it or you know something, and it's not a big deal or – you know, he'll be ready to go for the start of training camp, but that is going to be something that we're going to have to monitor during this summer break. Darrell, what are the other bigger takeaways that we get from minicamp? I mean, obviously they, they had a chance to experience the history of the franchise, the history of the league, and understanding, you know, their place, their tiny little place in the history of the league, no matter who it is, um, by going to Canton uh, midday. And then also I think that's kind of a reflection on Kevin Stefanski and what he's trying to – to build as a team and as an organization, understanding, you know, that – and I thought it was interesting that Kevin said, you know, there are coaches here before me and there will be coaches here after me and just kind of understanding your role in the game. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting listening to Anthony Walker talk and, and uh, he mentioned that when he signed with the Browns, you know, we were talking about free agency earlier, but, you know, when he signed with the Browns, he had heard that just Cleveland's a different place to play. And he's like, I get it. Like, I, now that I'm here, like, I totally get it. Now that I know some of the history of the team, I, I understand why Browns fans uh, are uh, so passionate uh, and demanding when it comes uh, to their uh, their team. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's nice. I can't tell you how many times that I've uh, had conversations over the years with guys uh, during Ravens week, and I would just casually mention, well, you do realize the Ravens used to be the Browns, right? And they're like, whoa, no way, man. <laughs> so That's it's nice really? that they – Yeah, it's true story. It's happened a lot. Wow. I'd be a millionaire if I had a dollar for every time it did. But it, it's nice that Kevin wow. Stefanski took time out of minicamp to take them down to the Hall of Fame. They got a, 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 a nice history lesson uh, about the, the history of the team. Uh, and all the innovators, and you know, it started with Paul Brown. It did not start with Jim Brown. Obviously, Jim Brown's the most famous Brown, but quite frankly, it should be Paul Brown because Paul Brown essentially built the Cleveland Browns, number one, and then number two, he basically built the modern NFL, <laughs> too. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think that that's, that's great. Uh, you know, as far as other camp takeaways, look, I, I think David Bell's the truth. I, I really do. I think this kid, uh, getting him in the third round, I, I see why the Andrew Barry, you know, because you know how it is. And every draft, the front office is excited about every dude they draft, right? And they were basically doing right. cartwheels when they got this guy. And you sit there and you're respectful, but you just want to roll your eyes because you've you've heard it so many times. But now that I've watched this kid, I'm like, 
dude can catch. <laughs> like, everything thrown to him ends up in his hands. It's just, it's incredible. So, uh, there's legit reason to be excited about him. Cade York, I'm just gonna hype the I'm just gonna hype the bejesus out of him uh, because I love kickers so much. Um, I even tweeted during the final minicamp practice. I'm like, all right, Cade York hit a 50 yard field goal. Can we all go on vacation now <laughs> because there's nothing else to see? Um, uh, but uh, you know, certainly uh, excited about him. And again, when you just watch it. Just not the usual intense minicamp practice, but again, you just you see the talent level on the roster, uh, and it, it is a legitimate reason for fans to be excited. They're very talented on both sides of the football. All right, Daryl, we found out also that they uh, gave us the plans for training camp, and so um, I know you wrote a little bit about that too. Uh, you know, so what? It's eleven dates that. Fans are going to be able to go to, and, and how is this going to play out? Yeah, 11 open practices starting July 30th will be the first one that's open to the public. Training camp for people like me starts July 27th. Um, all practices for fans are going to start at 2 p.m. Gates will open an hour early. Um, we, we've uh, talked about some of the expansion they're doing out there in Berea with the, uh, the complex there. Um, they plan on expanding the fan offerings now that they own pretty much uh, most of Pearl Street, which is uh, adjacent uh, to the facility. They're going to expand that area, uh, uh, more areas for season ticket members. I know that that's been a complaint over the years from season ticket members is there just isn't enough training camp access. The Browns have always been limited by space and they've always tried to balance season ticket holders versus the average fan who doesn't get that opportunity to go to first energy stadium and watch the team. So they're going to be able to expand their, their, their footprint and their offerings for viewing and stuff like that. Uh, they, they've got some things in the works uh, right now, which they plan to announce leading up to training camp, but uh, it, it should be a even more enjoyable experience for those that do uh, go out uh, to Berea. Uh, should note, if you do want training camp tickets, uh, first of all, it's uh, paperless tickets. Again, they're using the team app for that. But right. if you're a season ticket member, you, you can access potential tickets starting Tuesday, June 21st. The general public will have access to tickets beginning June 23rd at 10 a.m. Uh, every account can register for up to four tickets for an individual session. So um, there you go. Free. Everything's free, right? My favorite four-letter F word, free. Yes. Well, Food is my second. I'll let you guess the third. I'll uh, I'll pass. I'll pass. Thank you for letting me partake in your little game there, though. All right, Daryl, we are back next week. Looking forward to it. We pretty much drop on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, as we get closer to the season, uh, we'll probably be, we will be doing three podcasts. And um, uh, word is on the street that we might you be able to see us too along uh -oh. the way too. But we'll worry about that. I'm going to we'll apologize in advance for day. that, by the way. Well, I just got to get the studio out and the 16,000 pounds of makeup that it's going to take to get me uh, back to camera ready. So, hey, Daryl, it was great. Thank you. Um, and I'm looking forward to this offseason or our, our school's out for summer. 
shows, right? Isn't that what they're going to be? That's what we're going to call them. Yeah, the school's out for summer shows. We have to check on the copyright, though, for that. You know, we don't want any lawyers getting involved. As long as we don't sing, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening. We we appreciate it. It's always game day in Cleveland. is produced by Meredith Kane and Daryl Ryder, who is also our Browns beat reporter. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for listening again. If you want to partake in the show, especially with some mailbag events coming up on the show, uh, coming up down the road, you want to hit us up at game day, at game day CLE. And, again, I always say this. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you throw a couple comments, throw some stars at us, do whatever it takes to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Thanks for listening. We're back again next Monday with our next drop.